Today's scripture reading is from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the living word of God for us today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's open them to Colossians chapter two. We are stepping back into our study of Colossians. We left it the end of November to go through our Advent season. Uh, I'm gonna move rather quickly. You know, we've only got two verses and you're gonna go, well, how can you talk about two verses for 30 something minutes? And I go, I don't know, but it just happens. You know, and I'm gonna, I could go long. So I wanna move rather quickly. Uh, but what I need to do is set up our context in, 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 in that way, because we want to know where we are in this particular text as we study through the book. Um, uh, chapter one is, is, in a sense, Paul's well-done Colossians, and, and we see that as he uh, acknowledges uh, where they are and, and the strength of their faith. But chapter two, uh, he makes a turn, and he moves from the well-done to watch out. <laughs> yeah, like, like watch out, like be careful. And he is very passionate and, and intense in his concern for them because there is a danger lurking. And we're gonna unpack that all the way through, all the way up to Easter to, you know, when we'll finish this book. But I want us to note that the, 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 the tension in the text itself and, and what he's concerned about what does he mean, watch out? What do you mean, what are we watching out for? If you look at chapter two, uh, follow along in your Bibles and just note verse one. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Now think about that. I, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Uh, it's the Greek agon from which we get agony. It, it is to fight, it is to agonize over something. And so what we are getting from Paul, and we're gonna get obviously the whole letter, but he's setting this up in this argument, is he is agonizing for them because he sees a danger that they don't. And he's, he's, he's gonna struggle and fight on their behalf. Now, what is the... We need to start with what does he hope for them that he's afraid they're not gonna get, okay? And we see that, look again at chapter two in verses two and three. It says that in their hearts they may be encouraged. And here's what, he's, here's what he knows God has for them, that they would know being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God, God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, Said another way, Paul is saying to this Colossian church, I am in agony that you would come to experience the fullness, uh, the, the, the overflowing and all of the mystery of Jesus and all that he is. And I'm, I'm agonizing that you get there because there's a danger. And he mentions that danger again, chapter two, look at verse four, I say this, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So there are false teachers in Colossae that are deluding with plausible arguments. To be deluded is to be cleverly deceived with what seems reasonable 
and right. And y'all think about how this happens. You and I aren't generally deluded by something that's obviously wrong. We're, we're, not, we're not tricked by something that is so out there. No, no, no. It's the plausible arguments. It's those things that have that little bit of truth in them, and then it's just, but it's not truth. And, and it's that, well, that, gosh, I didn't ever thought about that. That makes sense. That seems reasonable. And Paul is absolutely agonizing that these Colossian Christians will slip in, and uh, will, these false Christians will slip in and delude those whom he has said Christ is everything. Now, if you were here last week, we had like a body life service and, and I love those because many of you get to share and we talk about what's going on in your world and uh, Carrie Murphy, if you know Carrie, Carrie's a, you know, our fellowship kids director. Um, she'll, she'll be over there running around the learning center this morning. Um, she, she brought in some young kids and, and had them around her up here on this stage and I'm talking little kids and she's perfect to do this because she can handle whatever comes out of their mouths. He's, she's f- fabulous to go with that. But if you were here, you know, she asked them, honestly, a really hard question. And it, or the question w- was this. She's talking to these little kids and, sh- and she's saying, now you guys, you know, what would be something that you would ask God that uh, you, you really want, but you're afraid to ask him because it's, it's so hard or you think it's impossible? Now, if she asked me that, I'd have to go, gosh, well, you know, that, that's not an easy question, but boy, the kids came through with flying colors. Um, now, what you miss because you aren't there is the third service. Now, the third service, we do not video. You know, so this is being videoed, and you go online, you'll see the service, but the third service, we don't, and yet it was the third service that, that kind of took the cake on um, these kids' answers and I want you to take a look at what happened because there was a parent, it was, it was uh, Becca Gott, by the way, those of you know Becca, she videoed it. So she had a phone video of uh, Carrie's interaction in that third service and I want you to listen to what these kids say. From God for something, but you're afraid because it seems impossible or it seems really hard. Is there something like that in your life? I asked for a new God. I hope you give Carrie such grief because uh, she can take it. I mean, she rolled with that with those kids. My goodness, a new God and a better Jesus. Okay, all right. Man, as, as funny as that is, why do I show that? Not just because it's funny, but because uh, out of the mouth of babes comes that which is really a threat. And quite frankly, I showed it because that is in part the threat that is facing these Colossian Christians. There's these false teachers, and I'm gonna summarize it this way. They're saying, 
Jesus isn't enough. What? Yeah, we're not laughing, are we? No, because we wouldn't laugh if an adult said, Jesus isn't enough. That's exactly what they're saying, and Paul's addressing this, and he's agonizing, he's in agony that they are gonna slip into mm, being deluded by this plausible argument that, you know, there's more to Jesus than Jesus. You know, you need this experience, or you need to do this, or you need to And lest we think, okay, that it's like, well, no, that's, look, I'm, we're not gonna go there. We need to remember that what he's writing the, to the Colossians, uh, it's not cultural. This part's not cultural and it only belonged back then. No, this part belongs to you and I right now, here today. Um, you know, last year there were two, two prominent Christians. One's in the music, one's a music person, but the other one, um, an author that, uh, the two of them rejected the faith last uh, in, in 2019, and you know they just flat out said, "I don't believe it anymore. I don't, you know, it's not what I've always taught it was. It's not what I wrote about." And, and it, that's tragic. I want, you know, I, I don't want to dismiss that at all. Um, but and Paul addresses that in other places, y'all. But can I say this? You know, that's not his concern right here. I mean, it does happen, but I don't, I don't know that it happens that often. But let me tell you what happens a lot right here is we find ourselves kind of dissatisfied with our relationship with Christ and just not going the way we want and we just kind of want more and, and someone comes along and says, well, have you tried the secret of this or this or whatever and we, and we slip off and here's what happens. We dilute the gospel, we diminish the gospel which therefore is not the gospel, but we live our life like it is. Now that's tragic. That is so damaging for so many and for so much of the kingdom. Paul in these two verses, verses six and seven, gives us the antidote, if you will, that we might not slip into that. Um, these two verses are, many commentators would say it this way, he, he is summarizing the book of Colossians in two verses. His whole message is in these two verses. And it's borne out because over the next three months, as we go through chapter two, three, four, everything's gonna tie back to these two verses. We're just gonna keep unpacking it further and further. I'm gonna do something a little different this morning, having set up that that. The, the, the conflict, so to speak, or the concern that he has, and then, and then he says, now here's what you do so you don't go there. Um, I, I'm going to paraphrase verse six, and then I'm gonna come back to verse seven and show you how Paul says, now here's how verse six works. Um, I, I don't always do it this way, but as I was studying, I thought, I, I'm gonna go this way because I've, kinda, I've gone down that rabbit hole, and, and I'm gonna offer it to you. So let's paraphrase verse six. And when I say paraphrase, that means I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at the words, we're gonna, we're gonna exposit that verse, and then we're gonna say, okay, what does he mean by that word? And we're gonna put it in other words for us to better understand. So it's hard to take notes, and you don't need to take notes. It'll be online, you know, you can see those, these things there. Start with verse six. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Therefore, I think most of us know when we see that in our Bibles, therefore, 
it's referring back to say, in light of everything I've just said, this, okay? Now you think about it, you, we just read the Colossians Creed, that's chapter one. I mean, the, it's loaded. We spent, what, eight weeks in chapter one. In light of everything I've said about Jesus, this. You with me? So, we might start this paraphrase in this way. I'm gonna throw the words up here on the screen. Uh, and again, this will be online. In light of all that I have written about the person and work of Jesus. That, that's just the first phrase. In light of all that I've written about the person and work of Jesus, and then he gives a command, okay? Now, the command, look again at your Bibles, the command is so walk in him. The qualifier of that command, when he, the way you, you know, how he wants, how that walk is done the, is the words before that. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, command, so walk in him. Are you, are you with me? So we're, gonna, so we're gonna go now to these words, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. And I wanna build a paraphrase around that. Well, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, when you, those of you who've trusted Christ became a Christian, what was it that you did? What was it that you exercised, so to speak, to be put in a relationship with God through Jesus? This is not a trick question. What's the first word that comes to your mind? What, what word, what uh, act, act did you do? Believe, faith, yeah, yeah, I'm not asking the question very good, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm getting at. It was by faith. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith. And he's gonna go on to say, so it was by faith you received him. By faith, so walk in him. It's so fundamental, but we can miss this. It's, there's no nothing you add to faith. It's, it's always by, you come to faith by Christ. I believe that what Jesus did, he did for me. We are sanctified, in other words, we grow in maturity in the same way, by faith. Are you with me so far? Now, he gives a description of Jesus that honestly, I would just fly right over. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop at this other than I'm studying it to, to teach it, but he says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. I go, well, you see that everywhere, you know, okay, Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, I didn't know this, but that's the only time in the whole Bible that Jesus is described with those terms in that order. That's the only time that Paul would say, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, the definite article is in that. So in the Greek, it is as you received the Christ Jesus the Lord. Let's take each one of those. The Christ. You know, it's a Jewish audience. When they hear the Christ, y'all, their mind is flooded with the Old Testament. And when I say that, I mean, oh, the Christ. And that is the Messiah. Oh, that's the promised one. Oh, that's the anointed one. That's the one that the prophet said God would send one day to save us. Whew, all that comes with the Christ. And then he says, Jesus, which is Jesus' his, his name. His name means God saves. Which reminds him, he, this is the Jesus born of Mary. This is Jesus the man. The man. 
the human being. Then he says, the Lord, Kyrios is the, the, the Greek word there. It's the most widely used title for God in the Bible. It is the Old Testament Hebrew Yahweh, the name of God, uh, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, or Adonai in the Old Testament. We translate that into the Greek. It's Kyrios, it's God. And so when he uses that phrase, the Christ, Jesus, the Lord, I wanna suggest he's saying all of this. And here's the second slide, David, we could show. Here's our paraphrase. In light of all that I've written about the person and work of Jesus, in the same way you received the anointed one, Jesus, fully God and fully man by faith. I know that's a mouthful, but that's what he's communicating. And so now I wanna get to the actual command, okay? So what's the command? So walk in him. To walk is a, it's a, common ancient term. You see it all through the Old Testament and the New. It just means to live. Uh, you know, life is a journey. Life is a, is a walk, we would say. And that's all Paul is saying here is, so live your life in him. Are you with me? Now, that phrase, in him. This was interesting to me, again, as I studied. John Stott makes this point about this phrase and explains it. The word Christian occurs only three times in the Bible. That's, that's, isn't that somewhat fascinating? Because what do we call each other? Are you a Christian? You're a Christian. We just use it so common. But in the, in the Bible, it's only used three times to describe a person who's a Christ follower. The commonest description in scripture of a follower of Jesus is that he or she is a person in Christ. The expressions in Christ, in the Lord, and in him occur 164 times in the letters of Paul alone. To be in Christ does not mean to be inside Jesus as tools are in a toolbox or our clothes are in a closet. But it means to be organically united to Jesus as a limb is in the body or a branch is in the tree. Now think about that. So to be in Christ, it's like my arms right here. Y'all, my arm is in my body. It's, it's organically connected. My head is in my body, organically connected. That's what it means to be in Christ. We are, we are, we are organically connected such that our life is inseparable from his. His life is what flows into us and gives us life. Does this make sense? Now, no metaphor or analogy illustration is perfect, but I was thinking about this because it, it happened this week. Lisa gets all the ornaments off the tree. My job is to take the lights off the tree. I can't even see the lights on the tree because everything's green, you know, and the wires are green and everything else, so I plug the lights in. You know, so now I see all the lights. And I begin taking the lights off and I start at the end. I'm pulling the lights off, pulling the lights off and I come to the little connectors where these, this, this wire's connected to this one because I've got 10 of these connected on the tree. I unplug one. The one that is now unplugged from the one that's in the wall socket is dark. 
there's no light now because it is unplugged, right, from the, from the, the, the power. So it's just a silly, simple illustration, but a reminder to you and I that the non-Christian, someone who doesn't know Jesus, is, is not plugged into Jesus. There's no Jesus life flowing through that person. But when you put your trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, you are, God himself puts you in Christ. Now, here's the caveat for us. When you trust Christ, you are placed in Christ. You will never ever be unplugged from Jesus. That can't, won't happen. You are secure for eternity if you've genuinely put your faith and trust in the life of Jesus. So I don't want you to picture this being in Christ as something like, like Christmas lights that you can unplug and now I'm not plugged into Jesus. Oh, now I'm plugged into Jesus. No, no, it's more accurate to say it this way. We're always, as a Christian, you are in Christ. You can no more separate yourself from Christ than you could, you know, put out the fire of the sun. But what happens to you and I in our Christian life is there are many times that you and I are not consciously, intentionally dependent on Jesus for the choices we make. And when we're not, we're not depending on the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet you and I do a lot. What he means is, apart from me, you can do nothing of value and worth glorifying to the Father. Meaning, we must depend on the Spirit. Intentionally depend on the Spirit. Jesus, I can't, but you can do this through me. Holy Spirit, in, in me, you can give me the faith to make this choice. You can give me the power to choose this step of faith. It's a, it's a life of conscious, intentional dependence. Does that make sense? But when we're not dependent, I'm telling you, the lights go off, so to speak. We don't experience the person and power of Jesus. So to walk, when he gets the, here's the command, so walk in him. The command is this, and I'm gonna rephrase it now with this next slide up on the screen with this phrase. Here's the paraphrase. In light of all that I've written about the person and work of Jesus, in the same way you received the anointed one, Jesus, fully God, fully man, by faith. Continue by faith to live your life intentionally dependent upon him. That's verse six. I don't want you to forget why, why he wrote verse six. He wrote verse six because there are those who are coming to the Colossians and will come to us and, and, and say, there, there's more to this. There, there's more than just faith in Jesus. And Paul says, no. Look, in, in, in light of all I've written about Jesus, in light of the creed we just read together, listen, in the same way you came to faith in this in, in, in the God-man Jesus. You need to continue your Christian life by faith. There's never gonna be any secret code to this. It's, it was by faith you came, it's by faith you grow in relationship to him, and that faith is expressed when you are, you are dependent, in, you are intentionally dependent upon Jesus for all of life. Now, I can tell you with the full authority of scripture, 
that where you are at this moment in time in your relationship with Jesus, and I don't know where everyone is per se, wherever you are, I assure you, there's more, okay? So there's more for you. And there always will be till the day we die. We won't exhaust the fullness of Jesus in our experience of him. So the longing for more, that's a work of the spirit. The problem comes when we go to the wrong well to satisfy that. So if you, if you don't have even an inkling of that longing, may I say to you, that that's a sign of spiritual unhealth. Spiritual health will always be, and again, at various levels in, in your life, in your journey, a longing to know more of God and Jesus. But we dare not try to add something to Jesus or go anywhere other than to him. The only place to go is a person, Jesus, as revealed in the written word, okay? And the only way to go to Jesus is by faith. There's no other way. You can search the world over and there's no other way. It's Jesus and it's by faith. So I'm actually gonna take that paraphrase that we just built up and I'm gonna shrink it all down. And I'm gonna give you the paraphrase of verse six in a much shorter frame. Here we go. Verse six, all of Jesus, all the time, by faith. That's it. All of Jesus, all the time, by faith. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give you, there's nothing more that God gives us. All of Jesus, all the time, by faith. Now, Paul's a master teacher, and so we've paraphrased verse six, but he goes on to say, let me, let me give you some concrete ways that this is done or this is expressed in your Christian life. And so that's verse seven, notice. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, here are four participles that he gives us that, that tell us, okay, Okay, so I, 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 it's all of Jesus all the time by faith. It, and, and it looks like what? Well, there's four participles. It looks like being rooted. It looks like being built up. It looks like being established. And it looks like abounding. So let me hit those very quickly. Rooted. You guys probably, when I even say that word, when you read it, you just think rooted. Well, roots of a plant. Absolutely, that's what he's describing. Think of the roots of a tree. The, the tree itself has no life apart from roots that would go down and draw nourishment from the soil and that nourishment, it, 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 the nourishment helps the tree to grow and it's the fruit that comes out of that tree. All of it begins not with the top down, it begins with the bottom up, the roots. So as Christians, we are to be rooted. It's just a, a, a um, you know, he's just using like Jesus did, a, a natural picture of nature rooted, drawing your sustenance from Jesus. He says, built up. He switches metaphors. You know, it's kind of quirky, but he goes from nature to building, an architecture, built up. And the idea here being that there is a foundation, but that foundation is to be built up upon. If rooted, and we could go different ways here. I'm just gonna offer this to us. If the, if the image of rooted takes us to this image of stability and nourishment. The, the, the building metaphor of built up 
takes us to this. Foundations are to be built upon, which means the Christian life is a life of progress. Always progress. You know, some of you have been to maybe third world countries. You've been around here. I don't know. You know, you just drive around town. Sometimes you'll see a, a building site where they've built the foundation, poured the foundation, and it sits there for years. And you go, I wonder what they're going to build there. Well, they haven't built anything there. That's not the way it's meant to be. On foundations, buildings rise. In the Christian life, growth is normal. If we're not growing and progressing, that something is wrong. Nourished in Christ, built up, established in the faith. Notice he says in the faith. So it's not established in faith, like your faith needs to get stronger. No, he's saying, he's saying being established in the faith. He's talking about the content of faith. And by the way, he's not just talking about, you need to be more convinced than ever of, of the, the message of the gospel per se. Jesus lived the life we couldn't, died the death we deserved, was buried and rose again. You need to be more established in that. He's saying we need to be more established in that which is included in the faith. All that God, God has revealed himself to be. Be established in the faith in the, in the whole truth of scripture from Genesis to Revelation, redemptive history and God's character and all he has done for us, all he's, that's required of us, all he promises, the faith. Be more and more established in it. More and more ideas, more and more convinced that it's true. <clears throat> and then finally he ends with this, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, we could spend an hour on this part. Um, it's overflowing. It's this picture of a river overflowing. It goes over its banks and it just spreads everywhere. The idea being that we are a grateful people. I, I, we didn't plan this, but I love the way Luke called us to worship by reading those questions. How will you respond when? How will you respond when this happens? How will you respond when this? And of course, the the, the reflection is to say, how will I respond? I can tell you this, the biblical response to any noise in the back, to anything else that you might hear, is gratitude. It's always gratitude. And I'm, I'm not gonna unpack it a bunch because as we finish out this letter, you're just gonna keep finding Paul. Every time he talks about something, he, he kinda lands here and be grateful. And you're gonna do this, 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 the. And by the way, give thanks. And whatever you did, da, 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 and be grateful. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that gratitude is the, possibly the, at least it's gotta be one of the top two characteristics of spiritual health. Giving thanks. I wanna be so clear that we do not, as Christians, give thanks for bad things. We don't give thanks for evil, for wrongs, for injustice. The reason we can give thanks in all things is because our thanks is rooted in the person and work of Jesus. So that when the worst thing that can happen in life happens, 
and it will, and it has to some of us in this room. We don't say thanks for that wrong, evil, terrible. We say thank you, God, that Jesus came. He died, he was buried, he rose again. And he promised one day he's gonna set everything right. And even in this disaster, in this tragedy, I can give thanks because you are God and Jesus is real. That's where our thanks arises. Well, a little bit of grammar, okay? Stay with me. I know that your eyes may glaze over on this, um, but it's important. Rooted, built up, and established are all in the passive voice. Now, what does it mean, Lloyd? They're in the passive voice. Well, it means this. It means rooted, being rooted, built up, and established are things that God does to you, for you. They're in the passive voice. God roots us, builds us up, establishly. This is not technically you know, our, our thing to do. So here, here's the big question, though, when, when I say that, you know, because, again, that's it, what the Greek is. So what's our part in, if, if God does it, then what's our part to be rooted, built up, and established in the faith? Well, let me offer you this. Here's what we know. The Bible is so clear that there is no life, there is no life with God apart from what God has revealed. There, there is no Christian life, there's no life of faith apart from God's word. Think Psalm 1, just for, as an example. You know, that it's tie, it, it, our life is connected to what God has revealed of himself. You can't get away from that. And so to be nourished, to, or to be rooted, built up, and established, if it's a work that God does, our part, quite simply, is this, is we bring ourselves to this word by faith, in the power of the Spirit, and in reading this word, in getting to know God through this word, God roots us even deeper. God then builds us up and God himself establishes us, but it establishes us in the faith. But you all, we have a responsibility to put ourselves in that place by which God does his work. Is everybody with me on that? I, this is not like a, well, if it's, if it's passive, then okay, do it, God. Raise my hand, you know, it's not that. It's this, it's coming to the word. By faith and believing that in, in the power of the Spirit, in the Word, God does these things. Does that make sense? Which is why I'm gonna say this to you. To a large measure, the, the, the measure to which one year from today, January 5th, 2021, the measure to which you are different than you are today in terms of your spiritual maturity is in large measure tied to how much between now and then we spend in the word. Now you know we're not legal, there's no legalism here. I'm just gonna tell you that you know, this is not a legalistic issue at all. It's an issue of Jesus in us stirring delight in his word and coming to it. I, I mean this, you all. 
you, no one grows in Christ apart from time in his word. And in that regard, may I encourage you this way? Maybe some of you are tough and can do this. You know, some of you have launched into your, I'm gonna read through the Bible in a year stuff, which is fantastic. But, but many, if not most of us, you know, it's tough, man. It's hard to get through that Bible in a year. And oftentimes, honestly, you know, when I've done that, you know, how do, how do you read, you know, you're reading it like, you don't even know what you read. <laughs> At least that's how I go. So let me offer you this. It's, it's so simple. What if you read a proverb a day in 2021? A proverb, you know, there are 31 proverbs. There's usually about, I don't know, 18 to 25 verses in each one. There's 31 of them. So every month you can just, whatever day you're on, you just read that proverb. If you skip a few days, just skip them. You'll catch them next time around, you know. So you just read a proverb a day. And, and I mean this when I say it. You read a proverb a day and you just come to that proverb with this. Holy Spirit, teach me about, teach me about you, God, about Jesus, about life and faith today. Read the proverb. Trust what the proverb says is true. Act on that proverb for that day. I promise you it will have something to say for your day. And just starting there, oh my, I'm saying not stop there. I'm just saying start there. And you will not be the same person. January 5th, 2021. Okay, I'm gonna invite the band to come back up because we are gonna conclude in a most appropriate way. We'll lift our voices in a moment. I'm gonna ask the ushers if they would as well stand up and begin passing the elements to the Lord's table. Would you all do that please? So as the elements for the Lord's table are being passed, if you've placed your faith in Christ, may I invite you, please take the bread, take the cup and hold them and we will take them together. As that's being passed, I'll continue to offer you some thoughts on these passages and this is what brings us to this table. Do you know the Lord's table is often called the Eucharist, which means gratitude, thankfulness. And uh, I mentioned that rooted, built up, and established are all passive. Do you know that the word abounding, so when he gets to and abounding in thanksgiving, do you know abounding is in the active voice? How about that? So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, so thanksgiving, that's our choice. We give we're not being acted upon by God doing, in the sense we give thanks. During the Advent season, we um, stepped away from the Lord's table in this, in this sense. You remember we had the Advent wreath up here because Advent talked about preparing for the coming of Jesus. And if you've been, you were here, you know we also had the Lord's table set over here. And we said, you know, we're in Advent right now anticipating Jesus. So we're not gonna take the Lord's table during the month of December. Because if you'll recall, we've been taking it every Sunday all through the fall. And so what a joy. Talk about gratitude. We come today to the Lord's table and all that it represents. We were anticipating, weren't we, the birth of Jesus. And now we know Jesus has come died. He was buried and rose again. And this table, I want to suggest, 
offers us the three things that you and I fundamentally need so that we don't get diluted and dilute the gospel or get you know, diluted and, and dilute the gospel so that you and I don't kind of slip over the edge of, you know, I want more Jesus and so I'm gonna go do this, that, and the other. No, what keeps us, what, according to Paul, what keeps us on the firm foundation of Jesus and Jesus alone? I'm gonna say these three things and I think they're at the table. Time in God's word, prayer, in gratitude. I don't, I don't know that you could find, you could take one out and still have what God says is required. Time in his word, prayer, and gratitude. So we come to this table, the bread symbolic of the body of Christ, the incarnate word that's been revealed in the written word. We come to the living word, Jesus. The cup symbolic of his blood poured out his life given on our behalf. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians that we come and we remember, we give thanks for what Jesus has done. We remember what he did. We're remembering as we take this, please know, we're remembering what he's doing now. And we're also remembering, Paul says, that he promised he's coming again. We're actually proclaiming when we take this bread and cup, Jesus is coming back. It's all wrapped up in this table. And it goes maybe without saying because it's named that it's about gratitude it's the Eucharist it's thanksgiving let's stand together we'll take this table together today as I lead us in prayer Father thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who whom you gave and he came to give his life a ransom for many. Thank you for the body of Christ that was broken and for the blood of Christ that was shed. And through Jesus and Jesus alone, our hearts are satisfied, our sins forgiven, our hope restored and stable. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Take and eat the bread and drink the cup at this time. May we move in our hearts and our voices from the table to a song of God's goodness to us. Praise the Father, praise the Son. Let us praise the Spirit, three in one. <laughs>